Hey Hoopers, before we start this episode, we just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Uh, Drip Detailing. Drip Detailing is Calgary's one-stop auto care shop. They offer everything from detailing and window tinting to PPF 3M protection, vinyl wrapping, ceramic coating, paint chip repair, and so many other great services at such a low price. Speaking of price, actually, why don't you tell them we sent you and you'll actually save 20% off of the price of your package. Uh, take your take your ride to Drip Detailing today and give it the all-car first team treatment it deserves. You can call them at 403-585-9827 or you can follow them on Instagram at Drip Detailing. That's D-R-I-P-D-E-T-A-I-L-I-N-G. No spaces in the Instagram at. Uh, again, just mention that we sent you and you'll save 20% off of your detailing package. Hey there, Hoopers. Welcome to the Pick and Roll podcast. And welcome to our first show since the coronavirus crisis kind of took away the NBA from us. So welcome back to the show. Uh, Hope you've all been safe, washing your hands, socially distancing, doing all the right things to uh, stay safe in these trying times. I'm your host, Zafir Nagy. And uh, today we bring you uh, a half an hour episode, really, to just kind of talk about a star that we're going to be spotlighting in these next uh, two episodes, Steph Curry. Now, uh, Steph Curry is Harvey's favorite player, and uh, unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties uh, with headphones and microphones, we were unable to record together for this, um, especially also because of of quarantining and everything like that, considering that I recently came back from India. Um, As a result, we weren't able to record this episode uh, together. Instead, what this is going to be is a Steph Curry player profile we're going to give you the the lowdown on on what makes Steph Curry such a great player in the NBA and what's made him so iconic as an all-time point guard as an all-time player um it's also episode 15 so as usual uh the best number 15 in NBA history uh this was a tough one between Vince Carter or Denver Nuggets Carmelo Anthony so Vince Carter wore 15 his entire career. Melo wore 15 only in the Nuggets uniform, but that was the last time that Denver really felt like a solid team. You know, right now they're just a really good regular season team, and back then they really put up some work in the playoffs, especially against Kobe, and that's earned my respect. So I would take Melo in this one. Uh, Harvard did tell me to say he would take Vince Carter in this one, and I do understand that because Vince Carter played in four decades. So, uh, your, your choice on that, why don't you, uh, get on the Instagram today, PNR podcast and DM us your choice. Who would you take Vince Carter in the prime of his career or Nuggets Carmelo Anthony? Uh, let us know. Uh, also, yeah, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Uh, we have routine updates on anything happening in the NBA from coronavirus coverage to off, like, I guess off season activities is what they would be right now. Uh, a lot of players doing a lot of fun things, and we like to keep you guys posted on that. So we're always up on there. We're also providing basketball analysis on the posts, which are going to start going up. They're currently at daily, and now they'll be, you know, a couple times a day. We'll we'll keep you guys entertained because right now there's not really much to do if you're a hooper. So uh, just stay tuned on that. Uh, and let's uh, let's get into the stuff about Steph Curry. Let's just jump into it. Um, so Steph Curry was drafted in 2009. He was drafted seventh, which I think that's that's the most surprising thing about Steph as an all-time player. He didn't come as a top three or a top five pick. He was one of those guys that came a little bit after 
and was looked down looked down upon by a lot of teams. But Golden State being kind of a a forward thinking, progressive, creative team decided that Steph Curry could be a good piece for the future. And they trusted him, unlike the Clippers, who took Blake Griffin number one. Minnesota, who took two point guards right before Steph Curry and Ricky Rubio and John Flynn. Uh, Sacramento took Tyreek Evans. There's, there's a lot of snubs. And really, the only other iconically great player in that draft was James Harden at number three. Um, which is... it's It sounds surprising that there was only two iconic players, but really... Unless you're looking at old school drafts like the Kobe draft or the LeBron draft, there weren't a lot of like iconic players in every single year. Here, there were a lot of great role players, great guys that had good careers. You know, you had uh, Darren Collison in here as well. Um, there, there were some good players in this draft. Jordan Hill, I think, went to the went to the Knicks. So there were, there were this was a decent draft, and Curry went seventh to the Warriors. By the way. If the Warriors didn't select him, the Knicks were planning on taking him with the next pick. So there's a what if for all of you Knicks fans. Uh, you nearly got Steph, which would have been unreal. But, you know, like when you look at it, Steph had a lot of uh, injury concerns. He was a slender kid coming out of college, didn't really have much of a, a driving game was mostly a shooter, didn't wasn't kind of the ball handler that we know him to be today as well. Like he was talented, but he wasn't at, at this level. And he wasn't allowed to be at this level either because of just what basketball was like in 09. In 09, teams were taking a lot less threes. There was a lot less motion offense. There was still a lot of big men being featured in the league. Think about Dwight Howard. Uh, LeBron was at his athletic peak at this time and was dominating just by going downhill. Uh, Kobe won a championship that year. So that that happened a while ago, and so Steph wasn't as valued then by other teams. Um, but Curry ended up having a really great career. Uh, he's he's got some great stats to average: twenty three and a half points, four and a half rebounds, six and a half assists. And you know, considering that his first three or four years he didn't start every game, he was he he had a season where he only played twenty one games. That's not bad, and obviously we've seen him at his absolute peak. You know, just dominate the league, go to the finals, win the finals. Uh, never won a finals MVP, which is admittedly very surprising. But you could make an argument that he really only has deserved one of them, and that would be in the in the 2015 finals against LeBron and the injured Cavs. Um, but he's also a very efficient scorer, and this is what's led him to be dominant up to that point. You know, it's not just that he averages 23.5 a game. He's 47.5% from the field, 43.5% from three-point range. So, and most importantly, 90.6% from the free-throw line. So it's he's he's always been at the top of the league in free-throw shooting. He's really trying to make an all-time case for the best free-throw shooter. And I, I would take Steph Curry as the best all-around shooter all-time. Um, three championships, two MVPs, 2016 was unanimous. Um, I don't think he deserves to be the only unanimous MVP. I think LeBron's 2013-14 season deserved a unanimous MVP. Might have been 12-13, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but I mean, you can make an argument that LeBron deserves a lot of MVPs. And I think, I think Shaq deserved a unanimous MVP back when Allen Iverson got one vote.
because Shaq was a beast too. But with Shaq, you can make an argument that is that really value or is that just dominance? And what is the value of dominance for a big man? Um, whereas Curry, his his dominance comes from being a shooter, being a really, really good facilitator of the ball, can drive to the paint, moves a lot off the ball, leads his team, you know, encourages his teammates for sure. I mean, I, I would never think that Steph would be a bad teammate. You know, like Steph seems like a chill guy to be with. Doesn't really talk too much shit in the NBA. He, like, he celebrates a lot. Yeah, sure. And he's a little bit obnoxious with his celly sometimes. But he's earned it. I think I, I think at this point, he's, he's kind of earned that. You know, Jordan had shit talking. Kobe and KG did too. LeBron had those highlight reel dunks. And back in Cleveland, you know, in, in the first stint, he was really electric with the crowd too. Like he played to the crowd. So, um, you know, it's impossible to go through all the records Steph's broken, though. Because Steph, Steph, Steph's got a, a, lot of go, a lot going on. Um, so, Steph is first, time, uh, first place all time in games with at least five threes, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve threes made. So, at each of those markers, he has the least amount of games. So, the three that you need to know about there, he's got... 123 games with at least five threes, 74 games with six, and seven games with 11. That's insane. The the fact that he's, first of all, the fact that he has a green enough light to shoot as many shots as it needs, like 17, 18, 19 threes, that's, shout out to Steve Kerr for facilitating this kind of greatness. You know, it was, it was the triangle offense that allowed Kobe and Mike to succeed a lot in at certain points. And, and so in this case, Steve Kerr's motion, offense, player-friendly, not too many set plays, defensive basketball at times, it's helped Steph Curry develop into a really, really great player. Um, Steph also has the highest scoring average for a player who shot 50-plus or who shot 50-40-90 on field goals, three points, and uh, free throws. Uh, 30.1 points per game. And that was his unanimous year. Uh, unanimous MVP year, 2015-2016. Um, so again, not just a scorer, but really an efficient scorer. And if you'll, you'll remember in that year, he had a bunch of 40-point games. They went on a 24-game win streak, if I'm not mistaken. And that Warriors team that went 73-9... and there were people talking about Steph as the best player in the league. There were people talking about Steph as the best point guard of all time. Um, there was definitely talk of the Warriors being the greatest team of all time. And none of that was unreasonable at that point because they were just, they were that dominant, you know? And that was back when I really like, I, I liked what Golden State was doing because it was innovative basketball. So... To see Steph be this efficient in that offense, in that high-level, high-caliber offense, it proves how good of a player he is. Um, Steph also took the fewest games to reach 1,000, 2,000 threes uh, for his career. Uh, to get to 1,000, he took 369 games. To reach 2,000, he took 597. Which, if you think about it, that's about an average of three threes a game since his rookie year for, for those stats. Um, and that doesn't sound like a lot, but consider a player that's been coming off the bench, consider a player that's been injured a lot. Um, that's, 
that's not easy to do, especially as a 6'3 small point guard. And when he entered a physical league, it was really still a very physical league when Steph Curry came in, and I think that's what held him back. He needed just a little bit of softening in the league for him to succeed. And that's, you know what? Players dominate by their era at times too. You know, I think a lot of a lot of great players can't dominate in multiple areas. Eras, I mean. And so Steph dominated this era because, number one, the rules were great, and number two, he was great. Um, he also broke the record for fewest games to reach 100 threes in one season. And that was 20 games. So that's five threes a game at that point. So you can see that the level that he's at now is so much higher than his average. It's just it took him a while to really get into it. It took him a while to evolve into the player that we know him to be today, which is that of an all-timer, a Hall of Famer for sure. And I think he will win at least one Finals MVP in his career because I think the future for the Warriors, looking here on out, is actually really good. Um, But we'll get into that when me and Harvey do our full episode next week, so make sure you guys stay tuned. Um, So Steph did take a long time to develop, and... A lot, of, a lot of superstars really do, you know? I mean, Kobe was restricted and kept on the bench for a little while, so even he took a while to really get to the level that we know him to be. And uh, LeBron, his first two years, didn't make the playoffs. He was a, a great player in the league, didn't make it to the playoffs. And so Steph proved that even as a small point guard, even as an unassuming player, he can go out and get you buckets. He can go out and get you wins. He can take you to the playoffs. He just needs the right system in place for his play style as a superstar. And then again, a lot of other superstars have asked for the same thing. You know, LeBron needs his system. Kobe and Jordan really worked best in the triangle. Um, Kareem worked best with a, a really good point guard, passing him the ball, having scoring threats around him. You know, you think of uh, the big O and Kareem and then Magic and Kareem. You know, all of these players, they, they there's a certain way that they need to play to succeed. And that's completely fair. They can play in a lot of other ways, but there's one play that unlocks them. And for Steph, it was a motion offense. It was an offense that allowed him to shoot as many threes as he needed to, but also have shooters around him so he could be the facilitator. On top of that, they found an innovative way to hide him on defense so he could be an off-ball defender. Which, by the way, Steph's a great off-ball defender. He knows how to cut through screens. He knows how to, you know, reach in for steals, jump passing lanes. He gambles a little bit, but all great defenders do. And I'm not saying Steph's a great defender, but you you can say that he's not he's not at the level of some of the worst guys in the NBA, for sure. You know, like J.J. Redick is more of a defensive liability. Absolutely. Steph at least can average, you know, two steals a game. He can... I mean, even even that final possession of Game Seven when he was guarding Kyrie, you know that you know that he played pretty decent defense on that. That's about the best he could play, really. Um, I don't I don't think there was a better way to contest that shot. I don't think that he could have done really anything else. I think that that was just an ISO that Curry was meant to to lose on, you know, especially against especially against someone like Kyrie. Kyrie's the the greatest point guard that Curry had to face in the finals. Mainly because he's the he's the only real point guard that he's had to face in the finals. But really, like, even in the playoffs, yeah, Steph Curry had to face Damian Lillard, 
But Lillard didn't really have a team around him. So Lillard couldn't be unlocked to his whole level. I think Lillard needs a better team to be at his peak. I don't think we've seen peak Lillard. And I I don't think that we've seen peak Curry either. Going back to what we were talking about initially. I think the the future for for Golden State holds Steph Curry's peak because he's come back from an injury now and it's not a it's not an injury that debilitates his muscles or anything like that like he still now can have his NBA career he can still do what he wants to do but he is now he's not had rest. Klay Thompson's had rest. Draymond's had a year to humble himself because he hasn't been good this year when games are happening and Steph Curry's now smarter. He's had playoff experience. You know, his his final s- stats are always lower than his regular season stats, but understandable with the way the game slows down. That's not the way Steph plays. And so y- you'll understand a slight decline, but he never shoots his team out of a game. That he won't do. He had an awful Game 7 in the finals in, in 2016, but really that's that's the black mark on his career. You know, in the 2015 finals, didn't shoot great, but did what he could. And then in the finals with KD, obviously it's a lot easier to do better when you have KD on your side. But he he shot himself well, and he he scored, I think 23, 25, 27 points a game, somewhere around there. We'll have the stats for you on next week's episode. And you know, for me, I think that's that's what's made Steph special is his efficiency with it. So, um, but yeah. Uh, we're going to take a, a short break, and when we come back, we're going to go through just a scouting report of Steph Curry. We're going to tell you some of the moves that he really likes to do and uh, talk about some of his best games real quick. And then uh, we'll be back in a bit. We'll see you there. Hey there, Hoopers. We want to give a big shout-out to our sponsors on the podcast here, Basketball Empire. They're a great clothing brand that's made by the Hoopers and for the Hoopers. And you know that coming from us, that's a real stamp of approval. Um, They got a lot of great hoodies, hats, backpacks, basically any kind of accessory or clothing that you think you might need as a Hooper that'll fit you every single day of your Hooping lifestyle. Uh, We actually purchased a hoodie from them very recently and it'll be coming up on the Instagram. Trust me, the thing is fresh. And personally, I went to go Hooping it the other day and that shit was just amazing. So go and check them out at bballempire.com. That's B-B-A-L-L empire.com. Go follow them at the bballempire on Instagram. And uh, if you enter the code PNR24 at checkout for your order, guess what? You'll save 24%. Um, Obviously, we did have to choose 24 in honor of the late, great, probably one of the greatest for sure, Kobe Bryant. Save 24%. Get yourself some good hoop stuff. Go out there and hoop. Uh, but without further ado, uh, like I said, B-Ball Empire, they've been around since 2018. Go check out their Instagram. Go give them a follow and go go buy some of their stuff. Go get you some new swag. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Pick and Roll podcast. Uh, again, episode 15, Steph Curry just... Uh, Breaking down who he is as a player and what makes him really great, I thought we would do a little uh, scouting report on what Steph likes to do and some of his just overall statistics that maybe you don't hear about, maybe are just uh, analytic stats that you, you don't get really see get released often to um, like with ESPN and stuff. They don't really report on this, 
uh, we just thought we'd give you a, a quick overhaul of who Steph is uh, from what we see. So uh, number one thing is Steph's a really efficient scorer. Um, Steph has never shot a true shooting percentage below 55.7, which is what he's been shooting uh, in the in this season. But then again, he's only played a few games, didn't really have time to get into his rhythm. And as we know, shooters need time to get into their rhythm. And again, Steph's not just a shooter, but as a shooter, he needs time to warm up. You know, um, but other than that, his next lowest year was his rookie year at 56.8. Um, his highest year in 2015-16, a ridiculous 66.9%, but even higher in 2017-18, uh, 67.5% true shooting percentage. So that means that if all shots were weighted to uh, were weighted to be an equal worth of two points, what would your efficiency be? 67.5%. For a perimeter player is absolutely ridiculous. He is a model for efficiency. And one of the reasons that he is so efficient is because of the great members around his team. You look at guys like Clay, you look at guys like KD, you look at even having Draymond, who can really be a secondary or a third wheel kind of ball handler. You know, grab a rebound, push it in transition. Pass it to him in the half court, let him make a passing decision that you've kind of assigned a few options for. Because Draymond's a really good player, and I think he gets underrated all time. Excuse me, in his role on the Warriors dynasty, I think Draymond really was one of the main reasons they lost in 2016, and I think has been one of the main reasons that they've been able to be successful at a lot of tough moments during the playoffs, during the regular season, even in just reaching 73 wins. You know, having his uh, defensive leadership, offensive ability is what facilitated a lot of what Steph does. In fact, Max Kellerman religiously vouches that it's Steph and Clay, or sorry, Steph and Draymond that make the Warriors special, not Steph and Clay. Which is interesting that you'd be arguing against the Splash Brothers, the more famous kind of narrative of what makes the Warriors successful, but really he has a point on what Draymond is able to do. Um, number two, Steph Curry is a really elite ball handler, but not just on the ball with the way that he's successful. It's also the way that he's successful off the ball and handling a possession as a whole. So normally, a lot of the time when you look at Steph making a pass, he continues moving throughout the court. He rarely ever stops. He's rarely ever just sitting in the corner. And a lot of the times, that's what contributes to their motion offense is that he's the moving piece. All his teammates have to do is set up small down screens, really just do basic things to help him find an open space. And Steph Curry will cut to it. Steph Curry is really intelligent with the way that he flares to open space. And because he's so versatile as a shooter in terms of, you know, going to his right, going to his left, stepping back, fading, um, off of a dribble move, off of the catch, off of a fake, four-point play, doing all the, Just the fact that you have to list so many things that Steph Curry is capable of doing just from three-point range is ridiculous. He can also run screens further off than anybody else. He can go and hit a 29, 30-foot shot if you really need him to. And he loves doing that in transition, pulling up for three in transition. But going back to what we are talking about off the ball, he'll pass the ball, he'll kind of look like he's not doing anything, and then he'll run down the screen, maybe he'll cut to the rim, and then Draymond might set him a screen or his center might set him a screen, and then he runs off of that one, flares out to the three-pointer, and now all of a sudden he's running a spread pick and roll, like he just he he just keeps moving within this offense, and the fact that Steve Kerr is allowing this much 
you know, high energy, high motion, high risk offense, really. Because they've also had a lot of turnovers as a team in Golden State is, but that's neither here nor there. The fact that Steve Kerr can facilitate that and the players being capable of doing that is a testament to what the Warriors have been capable of doing. Um, so some of the moves that Steph Curry likes to use, uh, loves his double behind the backs. Uh, normally what he'll try to do is put his defender to sleep using a lot of just quick rhythm dribble moves. So you notice with, with Kobe, it was kind of putting his defender to sleep using jab steps. With Michael, it was kind of putting your defender to sleep by you know coming off of screen slowly and then changing speed really quickly. Uh, Kyrie used to do it with like lazy dribbles and then eventually would just snap into a quick move, hardened, delayed hesitation. Steph Curry, what he does is he just dribbles it a bunch of times through his legs, behind his back, and then the minute that you bite slightly on one, that's when he counters. So he just waits for the defender to, uh, to make a reaction in isolation, and then that's where he exploits you. Um, in terms of off the ball, you'll see him running off of at least two or three screens. Um, generally likes to curl to his right, from what I've noticed. Um, and likes to fade to the corner stepping back when he's uh, coming off of screens. He likes to uh, step in and then step back to the corner for an open three. Uh, he's also really good out of the triple threat, you know, being able to dribble shooter pass off of just a couple of jabs or anything. He does that at three-point range, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, like he'll be he'll be jab stepping at 28, 29 feet with the big man in front of him, and the big man won't be able to contest in time, because obviously you're you're just dragging him so far out. Um, it's cra it's crazy to imagine that we got to watch Steph Curry just go for, you know, thirteen threes on literally seventeen attempts. Um, the fact that he only scored like forty seven points that game. With 13 threes, that means that only eight of his points weren't from three-point range. You know, so his ability to make threes on and off the ball, that's what that's what I'm trying to focus on here, is that he's just, he's, he's capable of taking you in isolation. He's capable of taking you off the pick and roll. But then again, if he passes the ball off, you can't fall asleep on him. So he becomes really hard to guard. Think about guys like J.J. Redick and even Klay Thompson, who plays on Steph Curry's team. Guarding them through the, the flurry of screens that they run off of, you can ask any player. It's never easy. Um, but anyways, looking at uh, Steph Curry's advanced stats here, you notice that his three-point attempt rate has also gone up over the years. So just for a quick contrast, in the 2009-2010 season when he was a rookie, his three-point attempt rate was 33%. So that means that within the game, 33% of his shot attempts would be from three. But then you move forward in the years and it goes up uh, monumentally in the 2011-2012 season. It goes up to 41%. Um, obviously, with Mark Jackson starting to coach, that really helped unlock some of Steph's offense because Mark Jackson encouraged Steph to be who he was and always used to say that that was the best shooting backcourt of all time. And people ridic ridiculed him initially and were proven wrong as the Warriors became a dynasty. Um, at his peak, Steph Curry had a three-point attempt rate of 60.4% in 2018-19, so the year that they uh, lost the championship to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, shout out, We the North. Um, and he's he's kind of been hovering around that 55 to 60% range 
since 2015-16. So once he kind of figured out that this is what I can do, I can go out and shoot, I can go out and do some crazy things on the court, and because I'm talented enough and I work hard enough, I can make unbelievably tough shots. He then went with it and kept attempting. Um, he's also been a really great passer. You know, you look at his assist percentages, so the amount of possessions that Steph Curry has an assist on uh, during his minutes on the court. Um, he started off at 24.6% in the 09 to 2010 season and uh, peaked in 2014-15, which was the first championship year. He peaked at, uh, oh, sorry, no, 2013-14 season, kind of his breakout year right before the championship season at 39.9% assist percentages. So, and he's never really averaged more than four turnovers a game. He he plays in a high turnover offense as well. And what I've learned about turnovers is that there are certain players that are going to turn over the ball a lot because of their responsibility to the offense. Think about LeBron, Westbrook, Harden, Curry. They're going to have somewhat high turnover numbers just because of the amount that they have to do as a scorer and facilitator. So that's understandable. But in the 2019-20 season, albeit limited, he had a 42% assist percentage. So I think he was really trying to get these young guys going this year early in the season. Um, Of course, Steph Curry's one criticism has always been on the defensive end. And um, he's not a great on-ball defender just because wiry frame, not crazy fast on his feet defensively, and um, obviously no muscle to withstand any kind of bully ball or anything like that. And I think LeBron really showed that. I think the Cavs in general really showed that in the 2016 finals. Um, and even the Warriors kind of suffered to the Raptors because of a lot of physical play in the last championship. Again, shout out to Toronto, shout out to the Six. Um, you look at his offensive win shares and his defensive win shares, which, you know, they're not perfect statistics again, but it's just the amount of games contributed or wins contributed uh, estimated by your offensive contribution and then your defensive contribution. So his offensive win shares have always been really good. You know, Steph's always had, at least in in his best years, seven to eight wins contributed on offense. And he peaked in 2015-16 with the ridiculous 13.8 wins just coming off of his offense estimated, which is unbelievable. And then defensively, it's a different story. Um, through the Steve Kerr years, 14-15, 15-16, he had a 4.1, which is when the team as a whole was playing good defense. But then after they got KD, as we know, their defense did go down, and so did Steph's as an individual. Went down at 3.9, and then 1.9 in 2017-18. And, you know, that's I think that kind of contributed to, work, to all of the drama that was happening. They kind of lost the essence of that team. I think defense was initially their calling card. You know, they were really swarming defensive teams that could go on runs, just stopping you multiple times in a row. Even Steph would come up with steals. Um, but then again, did Steph ne- really need to be a high-impact defender? No, the same way that Harden doesn't really need to be a high-impact defender. They just need to be decent enough to handle themselves in a couple of one-on-one scenarios in the game. Don't let their man go off for 50 points. And you can you can hide them with relatively good defensive strategies. So... Steph didn't need to be a high-level defender, but it is his weakness, and it is something that was picked on for him uh, early on in the Warriors' dynasty run. Um, 
And I think, lastly, the most important thing for Curry has been his value for his team. Uh, obviously, he's a two-time MVP. Um, I would make the argument that Harden kind of deserved the MVP that Curry first got in 14-15. But I'll let it slide considering that Harden lost to Curry in the playoffs. Um, but it is a regular season award, and Harden did have better stats. But that's neither here nor there. We can't talk about what should and shouldn't have happened because that's conjecture. We want to be accurate and precise. And so Steph is a two-time MVP. And in his two MVP years, what he really did well was prove his value over the replacement, uh, value over replacement player. Um, which is kind of like a, the amount of wins contributed over the replacement player on the bench for you when you go sit on the bench. And Steph's always had a really good one in the years where the, the Warriors have been good. When he's been at his peak, the Warriors are at their peak. So you look at 2013-14 when he really started making a big jump, he was at 6.7. 14-15, his first MVP year, 7.9 wins added. 15-16, 9.5 wins added. And then obviously through the next years, because there were so many good players on the team with Clay, uh, KD, and Draymond, and even Iguodala and Livingston and all of the other great guys that were just a part of that team. It, it went down after that. It was 5.9 and then 4 and then 5.1. But he's always relatively good at proving his value over what the next guy would be. And so I think that's what's made Steph Curry special all in all when you're looking at what we've discussed today on this episode. Is that number one, he's an efficient scorer. He's a creative scorer. He can do on and off the ball work. And while his defense hasn't been great, it's possible in the league today. Um, and he really has been the driving force in this Warriors dynasty that we're going to be talking about on the next episode. Uh, Harvard's going to bring some stuff about Steph Curry's breakout years. Meanwhile, I'm going to be talking about what they, uh, what they did moving forward in the playoff runs when Steve Kerr started to coach and they really started to, you know, proverbially get their shit together. Um, Obviously something that we're waiting on the Knicks to do. Um, always have to make our Knicks jokes, but uh, thanks for listening to the show. You can follow us at PNR Podcast on Instagram. We're now posting daily content. Uh, we have stuff on the story, stuff on the posts, you know, hashtagging, adding, you know. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the podcast. And again, don't forget to follow us. Uh, follow Drip Detailing on Instagram. That's Drip, D-E-T-A-I-L-I-N-G. Uh, and get your car cleaned because obviously a cleaner car helps you during these tough times uh, with coronavirus. And uh, yes, it does. You can Google that. And uh, don't forget to follow B-Ball Empire because you know what? You, you guys are sitting at home. You might as well get you some cool swag. Support the sponsors of the show. Allows us to keep doing what we're doing. Uh, and again, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you on next week's episode.